right, well, so joining us today on episode two of Jedi Fun Time is a name you all should be familiar with, Jake Lloyd. Or do you go by Jake Matthew Lloyd? Do you use the whole name? I, I, no, I, I just go by Jake Lloyd most of the time, but uh, I, there were... I think on Facebook, I'm Jake Matthew Lloyd, if you want to friend me and chat sometime. <laughs> yeah, Jake Lloyd, you may know as Anakin Skywalker from Episode 1. The, the, yeah. man, the man that brings the galaxy to its knees eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I want to enslave you all. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're, we're very lucky to have you here. We'd like to thank you again for being here, or being on the show uh, with us anyway. Absolutely. No problem. I'm super happy to do it. Anything called Jedi Fun Time is totally worth it. <laughs> like I said, we're working on that title. Hopefully we'll... Uh... No, I think that's pretty much the one that's going to stick. Yeah, you think it's going to stick? <laughs> we, we didn't come up with anything better when we were brainstorming. That's Maybe true. Jake will have something better, but we couldn't come that's up with anything true. better. Our, our first podcast, it was just like, just off just off the top, off the cuff, just like, oh, what are we going to we're gonna name the show? And we just threw that out there. So we'll see. We haven't had any, any uh, negative feedback on it yet. No, we haven't had any positive feedback either. Exactly. Well, no, we just we just did from the man himself. That's true. So if he if hey, if Jake likes it, we're good. But he did. But for the record, though, he did diss it originally. He said, "Well, I don't know why you want me on the show because I'm not a Jedi." And I was like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> diss. It was right. just a fact." Right. Uh, you, you had the right midichlorian. Wait, midichlorian. What, oh, what, what oh, was it called? Yeah. Yeah, you had the right count. Yeah. I, I always mix that name up with something else. Midichlorian count. Midichlorian. Yeah. You had the right midichlorian count. We're good. Right. I was gonna geek I it out and say that to him, but I'm like, no, nah, I want to stay cool. I want to. I want him to go on the show. So. <laughs> I get asked a lot nerdier questions a lot more often than you think, so it's totally okay, and I usually answer them with a very polite and dignified response. We'll, we'll, we'll save you the, that. You're we, on the wrong show. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll save you that. We figured you get that enough at the conventions and stuff. So we're, we're more. Uh, we want to know more of the film technical side of, of, of Star Wars and uh, and the other any other films as well. So yeah, I mean, oh. we'll probably have some typically con questions right. here and there. Well, of course, but, I mean, this is a Star Wars show after all. We're going to have to ask you know some of that stuff. But. So I mean, we're going to obviously ask you. We're, before you got the role, were you a fan of Star Wars? Yeah, actually, uh, before it was re-released and stuff, I was about five years old when my mo mom showed it to me, four or five, and uh, my favorite character was Darth Vader, so I was pretty damn stoked when I got the part, to say the least. Now, when you auditioned for it, did you know that you were going for the uh Anakin, or were you just looking just to, no. get, to get on the set? Um, any, any actually, as far as that's concerned, we got to London after I got the part. I auditioned for two years, got to London, got the part. My mom reads the script and goes, we're out of here. And uh, I was I was like, why? And she's like, you're in the entire movie. This is going to be ridiculous. And I was like, uh, uh, I, I, I convinced her that we should stay. And um, I was like, I can handle it. It's cool. No worries. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> I mean, were you were you surprised uh, building up to the release of it? How many how many people were just clamoring for a new Star Wars movie at that point? Also, because I mean, we're kind of seeing uh, that now again. Yeah, I was I was pretty I was pretty aware of it since uh, we went to the re-release premieres and stuff because those came out about the time I got the part and. Uh, we went to those and people were going crazy for just to see the movies again in theaters, you know, and and touched up and make which they didn't have to do much of. Lucasfilm's very good about protecting their work, like right. they're amazing about it mm -hmm. to the point where you've seen the Blu-rays, so you know, that, like the original film is just pristine. Exactly. While you're auditioning auditioning for the for the part, did you, um, you know, I know everything like you said, everything was kept under wraps and stuff. I mean. 
you at the age I think you were eight or nine when you were when you filmed that uh, film yeah that I was movie. eight um, was and there nine. any other special like guidelines as far as you know you you while you were filming there you probably had to do schooling while you were there because you probably was filming for about at least six months right so were you doing yeah like, schooling we, like, there was a little bit of schooling actually I love, I love set that? teaching okay. um, <laughs> it's the best way to learn as far as I'm concerned because uh, the set teachers can only teach six students at a time and obviously there weren't that many kids on the set but uh, at, at one time but uh, you know they we didn't have to we didn't I don't think we had to do it because we're in England as much and it was shot mainly over the summer outside of when my school was in session but i know natalie did and it's always and because uh, she was 14 at the time so she was definitely in school and she was prepping to you know go to much better schools and uh <laughs> she uh I, I know she had a set teacher at some points so, um, love set teaching, love set teachers, because uh, there's nothing better than the one-on-one -on -one learning that you get from it. And you can do it at your own pace. You bank up some hours, then you don't have to go to school for like three days, and you can just be on set doing what you need to do, and it's it's fun. I mean, so do you think there were less distractions even though you were on set? Because, I mean, you're not obviously filming the whole time, so. You probably no, not, had a, you not probably the had, entire time. Yeah, you probably, I mean, you probably had plenty of time where, if you didn't have the set teacher and you weren't learning anything, you would have just been, I mean, back then you didn't really have the internet and stuff like we do now. You'd be, would have been bored out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. Without the internet, nothing happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, without Facebook, the world just didn't go around. Um, I, I had a, in, I, I had a PlayStation and stuff. I've always been a huge gamer. Like I, I beat Sonic when I was two. My mom was a, a nerd. She was huge into Pac-Man and stuff. And I'm like, so she had those things, and um, we. Uh, she stopped playing, which is annoying because I, I. She she'll play two D games, but she can't like wrap her head around three D games for some reason, which is which is weird. But I have to I have to break her of this and get her to play some more video games. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I we had uh, PlayStation for a while. It melted. It actually literally melted because of uh we didn't bring a transformer not a, not a power transformer oh, with us we just plugged it straight into the wall with uh, <laughs> one of those cheap like plug differentiators yeah, and uh once you get like at the airport it, on your way out kind of a thing yeah. well those now have like built-in transform like power transformers mm -hmm. and this one did not so it we plugged it in when we first got there and it just melted <laughs> it was just like Britain's got too much power for PlayStation. <laughs> <That'd> <laughs> and be uh, they switched us to N64 because they said all their games would be coming out on there mainly. And I was super bummed because I always loved my PlayStation, but uh, learned to love the N64 and Smash Brothers and stuff like that really quickly. Nice. Yeah, you did the voice work for a uh, good amount of the games right five, after it. Five, five games after right? it, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how many times they had me in the studio, but it was uh, with Dara, the, the director was Dara, and he, uh, he he was great. He was actually one of the best directors I ever worked with, and uh, he uh, did all the Lucasfilm games for a long time during that time, and uh, he... We, we did several games, and... Um, it was a lot of fun. Like, I've always enjoyed doing voice acting. In fact, that's one of the things I'm doing now, but I don't usually talk about it because I don't like limelight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I do like the, uh, 
whatever moderate fame or modest fame I should say I have left I've been using lately to uh, promote independent filmmakers and stuff on the stream during the weekends and interview them actually oddly enough I've been doing interviewing of my own so um, that's basically what I do with that aspect of it now who are your favorite voice, voice actors that are today, like uh, like John DiMaggio is one, uh, what's another one? A lot of them, a, a lot of them are, uh, they do a lot of voice acting for a different type of uh, cartoons or even video game well, series. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have the guy yeah. that did, um, well, uh, John H. Benjamin from Archer does a bunch of them, and uh, yeah. the, the <laughs> Nolan North, I think it is, from Uncharted is another. I mean, okay. I couldn't tell you. There's games I put in, I start playing, I'm like, this guy sounds familiar, and it's just, it's right. Nolan North. But I get so used to him being Drake from Uncharted, I'm like, it takes a second to kick in. Are there any, like Jimmy was asking, are there any standout voice actors to you out there? Um, I I really... Uh, you mentioned most of them, <laughs> to be honest. I can't come up with any new ones, except for I, I, I'd shout out for Mark Hamill being the best Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, he was. He was very good. Very cool. Um, how about acting in general? Um, like, who are your favorite uh, actors on screen today, or just all time in gen- you know, um, on film? Uh, that's a tricky question because I haven't been to the movies in about a year now because really? I've been uh, I've been writing and doing this documentary full time. Like, I don't take time off ever. Um, like I like for instance, I I'm working now during the week on the documentary in the book, and on the weekends I stream on Pumpkin Pact and all weekend. So from like Friday at five o'clock, I hop on the stream and we do the interviews and stuff around eight and stuff like that. And we uh, we so I try to keep myself as busy as possible, and uh, I rarely have time to watch new stuff. But old stuff wise, I I was always. A big fan of like American History X and uh, Eight and a Half is my favorite movie of all time. So I've got that one chilling there. I could go look at my DVD collections like five feet from me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. I, I don't really have any current actors that I'm I'm totally infatuated with because I don't watch TV either. So I I typically just read or do my work i love what i do so why would i do anything else it makes sense i mean you're in the business that's the last thing you do last thing i do i you know i fix things at work last thing i want to do is go home and fix something so it's it's, <laughs> it's kind of it's yeah. kind of like that yeah I hear yeah that same way yeah. Uh, but i need to keep current and the thing i do try to keep current with actually is more like independent films that aren't getting shown or have no budget so like i've got out of the shadows showing on the channel this uh next weekend and uh this coming weekend and i've got uh some of uh doug sharp's films showing the weekend after that and uh we we're gonna schedule in caregiver at some point all films from that i saw that made a film festival and people i met there but um you know it's 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 nice to have that I like that stuff more than I like anything else. And there's, there's parts in Out of the Shadows where, like, the punches don't connect, and it makes me happier than watching uh, a lot of other films. <laughs> See, I, so, I so agree with that. Like, I've always been a big fan of, uh, like, Bruce Campbell and Bruce Campbell films. Yeah. And, and, and basically, basically <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of B-movies, and everyone, no one gets it. And I always yeah, say I that all the hotel sitting like ten feet from me. <laughs> there you opened. go. <laughs> but you know, people don't get it, get it why I like them so much, and I like it because they take chances on their storylines. 
Right. Like, yeah. big-name studios, once in a while they'll take a chance on something, but ultimately when I watch a big-name studio film now, I know what's going to happen before it happens because it follows the same formula another film did 30 years ago. I mean, they're, well, they're they love their mashups, cycles, don't they? they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they do their mashups, yeah. Big, big problem with, with a lot of uh, filmmakers is that if they can't do a good mashup with whatever script or movie they're pitching, they just don't think that it's they, – they get right. told that it's not – worth it worth they someone's mean, time you know and yeah. you don't find stuff like that in the indie market as much i get like doug sharp's films are solid comedies they're not like comedies that you'd go and see at at, at the theater now because a lot of them want to be sensationalist or something mm-hmm. like that you know you've got stuff on tv comedy wise that's very sensational and uh, I mean, we mentioned Archer, and there's Chosen, of course, and stuff like that, which is relatively sensational compared to the comedies that Doug Sharp's putting out, which is which are very just like solid humor. They're just exa- like they're funny and they take you away, but at the same time, like you can you can easily tell if you're you know if you're a film buff that these are aspects of comedy that have been around forever mm-hmm. and they're really important and great, and he does them well. But you you can tell that like each you can tell at points that they're specifically there to promote an, an idea of comedy as opposed to most films in television now that don't promote ideas period yeah i mean a lot of films nowadays are just a rehash of something i saw when i was five that was a good movie in the late 70s early 80s and had already yeah. been redone once and now it's being redone again and it's like i said it's the same formula and i get bored with that and granted i'm i'm, a, I'm more of a sci-fi f- fan i love watching science fiction and Every science fiction movie that comes out that's supposed to be this huge, like what was the one, a couple of, maybe a year or two ago with Tom Cruise, Oblivion, I think oh, it was. Yeah, they hyped that one. It looked, good. it looked beautiful, but you know yes. what? It, it was just, I thought it was just dull and it did not hold my interest at all. Right. And it, there, it, there's, there's also the point that at times I do like just bad B movie action. Like I love watching yeah. '80s action flicks, like uh, zombie strippers or something. Yeah, like that or, or uh, killer clowns from outer space. The night or uh, Highway to Hell from like '91, uh, Maximum Overdrive, 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 oh. Maximum Overdrive. I always mix the name up. Um, yeah, Maximum Overdrive was great. I mean, I love those movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was just overblown, over the top action in some Big Trouble in Little China. That's when I was thinking of, okay. or uh. virtually any John Carpenter film. Yes, because it just. There's something that be they, they they're still craftsmen. It's not all well. We'll just fix it in post production, you know. They yeah. they were still buying corn syrup and mixing it with red dye for blood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which still can't be beat no, in a lot of ways. I, you know, I read Bruce Campbell's uh, autobiography and he talks about that. And I'm like, you know what? You're you're exactly right, Jake. You can't still beat that for many things. It looks authentic. And, yeah, it really does. But in indie films, to me, are are the next evolutionary step like that you know it's these are filmmakers that are willing to take a chance and companies willing to take a chance on something they believe in that is a unique story or a good story and not just a rehash of something else right yeah actually that's one of the reasons why we well why we're plugging out of the shadows so much on pumpkin packed and stuff is because it's very much it's it's a comic book meets noir uh web series but it was shot with no budget and a crew of three people with like a cast of like a like four like i think Ten, so they had a lot on their plate, and it it's done really well visually. It's very good. It's it. I could do a mashup for you. I've had one done, but I don't like it. Um, uh, it's very good, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's not like, it's not Hollywood archetypes being shown um, in 
you know, like a new style or a new way or just well or just prettily or in, or in a pretty format, I should say. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like that. A lot of it is, is, it's actually very much like an actual noir, like from, I'd say a seventies noir. It's, it's like a seventies noir meets like what I think comic books sound like in my head. So like the dialogue, though it's subtle enough for film and is done well, it still sounds like these guys are speaking in all caps when he's a big burly dude, you know? Mm -hmm. And I get, I get really excited when people try stuff like that. And it's, it's really, really awesome to, to have gone to this film festival or go to more even where you can sit there and watch these people's work that like caregiver had three actors in it and it's 15, it's like 20 minutes long and you don't notice that at all. I had to be told. You know, like it's 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 pretty cool. I I miss I miss that aspect of film when they were making it in like the you know twenties and thirties, and it was like the crew of ten people and a cast of one. You know? the, the credit the credit page was a page. Yeah, exactly. It was actually just part of the dialogue or something. The, the caterer, was just, the caterer was... wasn't on it. <laughs> well, the caterers need respect, man. They 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 do need respect. Cater number uh, one or cater number two. Yeah. If you if you can't feed your crew, you get an unhappy crew, which means you have no crew. <laughs> so when you were on set filming, I mean, how was that compared to what we were just talking about? I mean, how did how does how did Lucas film which, at the time? Which set? <laughs> uh, well, when you were on episode one, filming with Lucas uh, with Lucas film, how did uh, how was that compared to? what you were just talking about did it feel like it was a tight-knit group or did it feel oh, like yeah. a big machine uh, Lucas, it didn't feel like a machine at all it, you know everyone knew everybody's names everybody was more than happy to be there they were utmost professionals and it felt like a well-oiled machine because you know it's a good company and it was a good team but at the same time it still felt like i i consider all of them family at this point just because they're just that awesome so they're welcome to my family um anyways uh, well slightly self-deprecation and sarcasm <laughs> um it, they uh, but they are awesome and they really do pick really great people and when you the thing about like having a crew of three people say is that when you pick those two other people and you're the director writer you have to pick really good people and to get those short films made and made well you have to do the same thing that Lucasfilm did which is pick the perfect people to be on your set and they cast it well they cast it with very professional very good actors and they they made sure their crew was just as awesome and uh and if not more so because those guys worked much more than i did so uh you know it was it was a great experience both as a like as a wannabe filmmaker and as a as an actor you know it was just uh it was it was amazing to see how all those things come together because i worked on other sets that weren't so awesome you know i did like 80 commercials when i between the times i was five and ten and I, I saw a really good amount of different types of sets, different budgets, and different different um, locations, different uh, like national, international, or different countries and stuff. And you know, it was you could tell when there was like, say, a bad director or a bad producer because something would go. Something would like if you have a bad line producer or a bad AD, you're just gonna have a really awful shoot. And it's not so much that it's the director or the producer's fault, but when you don't pick a good team, you're not gonna have a good play. 
So um, the, Lucasfilm did an excellent job with that, and they always have. And it's actually one of the things that excites me about the new movie is that it's still under the Lucasfilm banner. It's a lot of the same. Pe- it's it's a lot of similar people, and at least with Disney and Lucasfilm working together on that, that's that means they're gonna they're gonna produce something at least at the very least good. You know, um, I think they've got a really good chance at that, and. Uh, they do pick the right people and treat them well. And when they're treated well and they're the right people, they produce amazing work. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you, you know, were you surprised at all when you heard that Disney was uh, buying Lucas out or buying Lucas film and, you know, well, Lucas I was a little surprised, but I remember, like I said earlier, I watched, uh, the originals when I was five and, uh, they were to me even the originals are children's movies even though luke gets his hand cut off he's like crying and it's dramatic for every child to see (laughs) but um (laughs) by his dad you know (laughs) (laughs) um it's still spoiler (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) sorry i thought that was just well known no i'm I'm pretty sure there's i'm pretty sure we're past the limitation for that i think we're good (laughs) yeah i think i think 30 years, 40, 30 or so years is past the limitation of spoilers. Unless you were frozen somewhere and just got out of uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) the... Yeah, let's hope that, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I I love those movies for their philosophy and for, you know, it's something I hope they really do in the new movies is stick to that core philosophy, even though it's, it's, you know, it's very Buddhist. It's very mind over matter. It's very uh, Zen and it's something that helped me when I was a kid and you learn metaphysically through that film and through the process of the force and what Luke goes through to kind of conquer anything through the means of your mind. And I think that's an imperative lesson for a child. And I think Disney picking up a franchise that teaches that in their original films and tries to do so in a different way in the new ones, in the prequels, you know, it's, it's, I think that's a great buy for them. I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean, from a, like I mentioned to you earlier, I do a video game podcast also, and when it happened, I grew up a, a, playing a lot of Lucas games. I mean, there was Day of the Tentacle, yeah. there was um, uh, Pirate Island, and then, yeah, or not Pirate Island. Monkey Island. Uh, Monkey Island, Monkey Island right. thank you. Yes. And then there was X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter, or an X-Wing and X-Wing Alliance, uh-huh. TIE Fighter, and all these just great <laughs> games, and, you know, even Rebel yeah. Assault and stuff. And I, I know they switched management to a point, like, I don't remember what position changed out. And the guy that came in in the late 90s kind of started nixing all, everything other than the Star Wars properties. So throughout yeah, the late 90s yeah. and early 2000s, we had just Star Wars games, and that was it. And, yeah. and a lot of them not even made in-house anymore. So, well, a lot of that had to do with the fact that they're trying to finance three films out of their own pocket, because technically the Star Wars prequels were all independent films. Oh, were they? Okay. Yeah, they were all done by Lucasfilm, and they got the distribute. They sold the distribution rights, and that was that. Oh, so I oh. didn't know that. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought Lucas had the coin to just finance it all and not have to worry about like. Like the original it, ones, he had. Yeah, he had, uh, you've also got to have Fox. to fall back on and pay everybody who's just like working at the ranch yeah. and stuff. <laughs> you know, you you got to make sure you you cover your bases in case it doesn't turn out well. So I can imagine it being a very smart move to finance the uh, the new movies as well as um, you know just 
people because they have they do projects outside of that as well. They they, sure. they they edited one of my other movies. I think they got one of their editors. No, no, never mind. I think they did sound for him or something like that. And uh, they we uh, we got they do stuff like that all the time. And it's not so much that they they don't make money doing that. It's just they don't make nearly as much as a, a Star Wars game. Sure. <laughs> you know. And it's perfectly logical from a business standpoint to make money doing something that people appreciate all the time rather than make money and still while you can still make money as an independent company to doing stuff for other people that may not make you as much, you know, it just goes to show more of like Lucasfilms and George's idea of like, we, you know, we still got to do something we, we got to do something right for the uh, the other the rest of the market as well as opposed to just doing star wars it was they did do a lot of stuff with other films well ilm was part of lucas right yeah exactly yeah, ILM, ILM worked i mean ilm worked on tons of great films i mean they, those guys were they were geniuses to me i mean <laughs> yeah touring that place was amazing just so you know <laughs> i would I, um, I actually would have loved to have been able to tour that place it was it was incredible seeing all the different uh, all the all the props and stuff are held in a building at the ranch, but like they they still had some really crazy stuff, and we got to see like the because they still use models for uh, the um, spectator area for the pod race and stuff. Yeah. And uh, they still used that, and there are little cardboard cutouts of people in it and stuff, and like, <laughs> you know, it was it was really cool. It was, but they're temporary. They were temporary. They're not. <laughs> I have to say that. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, I, I want to say that ILM, I think, actually did the special effects or part of them for the new Star Trek movies. Don't quote me on that 100, percent but I thought they had something to do with it. I'd have to look it up again. I thought in the first, in the 2009 one, I thought they they did. We'll have to we'll have to Google that. We'll have to Google that and correct it in the in the I, no, if, I, in the notes I, if I made a mistake. It's a good thing we weren't live, otherwise we'd probably get yelled at by now by some some fan. Um, you are live. Well, we are live. Right. They just can't yell. At us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I get yelled at all the time in life. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> are you married? I am, and yes. I and, and yeah. I have a kid, so yeah. There's a lot of yelling. As yes, you get yelled at a lot. Uh, the two year old does most of the yelling at me. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We have selective hearing. We just block that out. So. <laughs> they're they're non-existent unless we want something from them. <laughs> and they don't they don't listen to the, our show, so we're good. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, go ahead, Sergio. Um, I was gonna go back to like the uh, you, you mentioned a little bit. Um, well, I know you were last weekend. You were at a uh, small film fest, uh, Mayday. You said correct. Um, yeah. Just kind of want to talk a little bit more about that. It's just, were you there? Um, were you there supporting like someone you knew, like, a, a, or are you doing a project um, that you wanted to uh, to you know stream out there and see what uh, kind of uh, results you might get? Um, uh, actually, I was I, I was there because a buddy of mine from high school is his production company okay. put it on. So you were just there. You were just there as supporting and nothing as far as anything. Well, I, it was good for me too because okay. they let me MC the panels of cool. uh, the films after they were shown. So I got to add, do Q and A's with like really good filmmakers. So, okay. I was going to ask you film. if you were going to do it, if you were doing any projects or anything like that. Is the reason well, why you were I am there, doing so. a project on uh, Tibetan refugees. Okay. It's a documentary film that I'm editing, and uh, I'm mainly an editor, by the way. I'm not really. I, I've directed some stuff, but it doesn't really get to see light of day. But uh, I've. Uh, it's like music. I've done a couple music videos here or there, and I I edit most of the time for like 
corporate videos, in-house stuff, or just things I I want to help out on. And I usually I I um I am doing a feature documentary though, and it's uh it's about Tibetan refugees, which is very interesting. About a guy who it's a guy who travels to the Ramsala where the Dalai Lama is located and interviews a whole bunch of people who've like traveled over the Himalayas and stuff and that were subject to Chinese persecution and torture and all kinds of crazy stuff when they were taking over Tibet and destroying uh, Buddhist temples and all kinds of stuff and it's there's there's a lot of interesting facets to it and he I'm I'm sure Josh the director would explain it better but he uh he came to me and just wanted me to one day wanted me to edit it so because he had like he has like 130 hours of footage and he was like dude we would you mind would you mind going through this and I'm like yeah that's cool give me about a year. <laughs> wow. it was actually it, I know Josh from uh, military school and. Uh, He's uh he's he's really cool and we had we had a good time there and uh he we uh hooked up again and then he was like yeah I did this documentary I've got a lot of footage you want to look at it he didn't tell me how much obviously and I like he started sending it to me and I was like dude it just keeps coming <laughs> <laughs> well they're never gonna tell you all the details right until until you're committed exactly. until you're committed which was totally my, it, obviously I started working on this a while ago before I knew to draft up the contract um. <laughs> So uh, I've been working on it for a couple of years. I had a rough cut done last year, two years ago, actually, about, la well, last year, two years ago. Um, and uh, it got wiped out because some guy hacked my computer and put viruses in the folders and stuff. And, like, it completely shattered my computer and my little alienware world. So, um, like, it, it, I had to start over, and we're still, like, we're still importing footage into Avid and uh, getting things going. So it's it'll be out within a year, within either this year or sometime early next year. But um, it's been a lot of fun, It's it, except really, really emotionally taxing because he has people in, in – he interviews people who, are, who say so, stuff so simple as to be like, just tell people what's going on here. You know, it's, well, their their plight and stuff is is horrible, um, to say the least. And uh, they, it's really really interesting. So I I found it to be so, and uh, it's it's very we had <laughs> it was shot like five years ago, actually seven years ago now. So like, and this is how it's been going on since like the seventies, and it it's hasn't really changed you know no one there's been documentaries done about the subject before but no one seems to really get the point across and we hope to change that wow yeah it sounds, so. like, it sounds like you got some really you got a lot of time invested in this in this uh film um i do would you ever consider like coming back to acting i mean being in front of the camera or are you feeling more comfortable now no. just being oh. behind <laughs> um going back to acting and being in front of the camera were like two of my least favorite concepts at the moment um i i don't mind as as i as, as is obvious i don't mind doing press and stuff but we had to do a press junket for episode one and we did 70 interviews in a day 
you know, and uh, you get a little, we, we got asked the same questions over and over and over and over again to the point where my mom and I made a game to see how many times we could say specific words during an interview. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I promised we were going to ask you different stuff than the usual norm. Yeah, so far you have, and it's been great. Um, and it's been very. I apologize. I would sound be far more enthusiastic, but I am sick. I'm really sick. I've got a viral infection, and it hasn't gone away entirely yet. And it's awful. I'm snotty and gross. No problem. grateful you're on today. That's all. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. it. And you've been, you've been, yeah, you've been fighting that for a little bit, huh? Yeah, for the last week or so, since I got, since I left from, since actually shortly after the uh, film festival, so I got someone there to blame. <laughs> Those cons that go around, you know, you don't oh. know what you pick up, the germs, <laughs> shaking a lot of hands and stuff. You know? I've, I've heard so many names I, for them. I'm not like that at cons, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't know about picking things up, so <laughs> I do know that at the film festival, though, I got a nasty dietary viral infection, and it's, like, made me throw up at, like, three times a day, and I've still been, we've been setting up the stream regardless, like, <laughs> all, I every once in a while, like this weekend or throughout the week, I've been playing with uh, Paul and stuff on Dark Souls, and I'll be like, I'll be back in 10 minutes, and he, he's, he gets a little annoyed, <laughs> and he doesn't realize that I'm, like, going to throw up or something, and, like, um... Right, the show must it, go on, gaming must yeah, go on, so... Well, it, we're trying to get enough foot traffic on the, on the stream so that we can actually do justice to these independent filmmakers we're interviewing, you know? I, I don't want to, like, just do it for fun. It is fun. It is for fun. And if I'm not enjoying it, I don't do it. Right. But um, much like acting, I stopped enjoying acting as much as I used to. So we, my mom and I both were like, you know, I think it's time you went to school or just did something normal for a little bit. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I'm too young to do anything else, so let's go to school. And that's the right place to go, so let's do that. So we moved out here to Indiana and, uh, you know, tried to do the right thing all the time and just study and go to school and have a normal life. So, Which I'm sure um, was hard to do. You know, normal is such a stupid word. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's there's there's no normal for anybody, and and not like <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine online. She's like, I just want a normal day, and I was like, you're not gonna get one of those, darling. Um, <laughs> you know, you're you're not gonna get one of those. And we both laughed, and it was, was kind of like, of course, no one knows a concept of normal, and anyone who does is probably a little off base anyways so yeah, I mean, normal, we, we try to keep it as normal as possible but if we ever but you know normal is normal is relative and you shouldn't i i got a very i got as relatively normal as, as an experience in, in high school and college and middle school as i possibly could i you know it was it was just as good for me as everybody else i suppose and i i everyone has a different experience anyways so with anything you know we can't even fully grasp someone else's perspective so i can't imagine there being a normal to that very true yeah, you, went, you went to columbia for uh college didn't you for a little bit or you finished yeah, there, right, finished finished there. There. no I, I i didn't i didn't finish there i started editing beforehand before and i i i enjoyed being on like student film sets and stuff and helping out with that and then i kind of i learned what i 
felt I needed to learn and started working on my own. And I'll probably go back because finishing college is really important. But one of the things that I thought about was actually that my sister is was starting college shortly after I came back and uh, to Indiana to, you know, just do stuff. Because thanks to the internet, I can edit. Uh, Josh lives in Florida. He sends me all of his footage over uh, Ignite, and we just uh, we work over Skype. So like I can work with anybody anywhere, and I don't have to leave my home. And uh, anyways, Madison was going to college, and I I I kind of just held off in a lot of ways because she's actually the first person now in my entire family lineage to graduate from college. And uh, I I was like, mm, I think that'd be better bestowed on her. And I also think she's worked harder for it. You know, she went to Pepperdine. She got straight. She got really high grades. I think she graduated with like a three nine. And in in high school and middle school and stuff, she kept it at like a four zero. It was ridiculous. Wow. So I was like, wow. you know, she's scholastically inclined. <laughs> I think she's kind of earned that one. I right. don't think that it would be. I don't even think it counts if you graduate from a film school as the first person. <laughs> your family to graduate from college <laughs> you know um i i i i, I she graduated but she did graduate for film which is just as funny <laughs> yeah I, I know a decent amount of columbia alumni and uh yeah you guys are in chicago aren't you uh yeah just outside of it about yeah. uh, 20 miles about 20 miles out of downtown yeah and nice. uh, i do know a decent amount of people that are columbia alums and Sadly, a lot of them are not in their field. I, yeah, you know, it's, it's just it's, a hard field to get into. Well, the the reason I went to Columbia and one of the reasons why I didn't try so hard in high school um, <laughs> was uh, because I, it's not so much that you you can't that it doesn't matter if you go to school for film as much as like I, one of the things I liked about Columbia was that it's very hands-on and practical. You know, they they require a lot of uh, they require a lot of on-set experience, and they force you to do so. And uh, sure, beats textbook, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it does the sure. textbook, and yeah. it is the important aspect of it. Because if you don't learn to be professional and hardworking on a set, then you shouldn't be on a set. Exactly. You know, you shouldn't. You, you really shouldn't. You're just going to piss someone off and ruin someone's day and make them lose money. So why are you on this set? Um, yeah, I mean, as far as <laughs> I was gonna say you'd have Christian Bale yelling at you or something. I mean, it'd just be horrible. Yeah, it's, yeah I'm not gonna endorse that comment for the sake of my own career, but you know what? Um, who knows for saying it? Uh, <laughs> I don't have a career, so I'm good. Did you? But you enjoyed your time there, I'm assuming. I mean, I, I hear it's a good yeah. school. I mean, everyone I know that came it's out of there is really school. sharp. It's just. For some reason, I, I don't know many people that came out of, out of Columbia for film. I know a lot that went there for just multimedia arts and stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, the problem is, is that it's a lot of that has to do with Chicago, and it's I've got a buddy up there now who's an, act, who's an actor who's trying to get work there, and it's just it's a hard place to get a job in, in film. And if you stick around or you fall in love with Chicago, which is easy to do, you know, you, you kind of you, – you're, you're not – in the best position and um one of the things that 
is important about the practicality of film or the practicality of going to a film school is making the connections with other types of filmmakers. You know, if you want to get going, you're going to have to, you know, Ryan from Third Helix, the guys you put on, uh, uh, made a film festival he he works a full-time job as a news as a as a news cameraman and he goes on he's like on beat all the time to going to stabbings and stuff and he gets he does he gets really good shots but you know it's it's a little out of place for the news and uh, he uh he does that full-time and he's lucky to have that job because it's barely film related you know and uh, a lot of people don't realize that the best thing to study when you go into film is sometimes depending on what you're studying like me I wanted to edit and direct so I I decided to go to film school because I want to learn like the aspects of filmmaking that I wasn't familiar with and that would be like technical aspects of editing and the like kind of I, I, I went to I, I wanted to like go to more producing classes than anything else as uh, while I was there because I wanted to learn more of the roles on a set and a lot of that is for the director to know too but uh, you have to take a lot of production classes for that and uh, anyways uh, you have to realize that you're probably not going to work in your field and you're also going to have to start your own stuff and you're going to have to work do the legwork or you're not going to you're not going to do it and or know someone and part of going to school is getting those connections and knowing people and if you even if you're not working in your field you should still work in your field in your spare time you know um that's kind of what I what I imagine the onset and practicality aspect of Columbia and other colleges teach you is that you know you can get a job doing just about anything. You can get a you can get a decent job, not a decent job, but a, a job do, a with a college job, degree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can get a stable job yeah. with a degree, and you can and if you have that, you should be able to have at least a little spare time to be doing something that you love. And if you love film, then that should be it. You know, um, like I was lucky because I came back to Indiana and I was able to find a mentor to help me finish my kind of editing curriculum. And I just I just worked on stuff through him sometimes. And then that grew and I kind of I, you know, I get offers every once in a while anyways for that. So I I get. I had that to fall back on and, and work with and oh I feel very lucky for having that and I know just how lucky I am when I see like anybody who goes to a film school and has to try to you know be a PA in LA for like five years before they can be an AD before they can be a director you know yeah it, it's a lot like I mean it's, it's very similar to how podcasting is anyone that thinks they're going to get into podcasting to be a millionaire or to not work it's not how it works right. I, yeah. I mean I I do, I do like think five of these I, I lost count myself <laughs> I still pay out of pocket for all the hosting fees and stuff like that it's just right. people don't realize that it, yeah people are like oh you get to interview you know some celebrities you get to interview yeah once in a while we do but we all have day jobs and yeah. here in Chicago there's a group that does um, they do a, they do an audio drama like an old time audio drama on the internet nice. called uh, Our Fair City and all of them, I mean, they're very talented uh, editors and sound guys, everything. They all have day jobs because they just, like you said, you just don't, you just don't get the money doing it. You don't, you know, the well, it's not. If you don't, 
if you if you don't make the connections you're not gonna you're you're not gonna have access to the things you need i mean there's always a finite amount of positions anyway in any job and some there's a lot less and unless you have unless you have those connections that you're talking about those that number is even smaller but yeah yeah, they're they're very talented and some of them are some of them work at, at museums some of them i mean they it just it's it's strange that it but meeting them it's now i've made some we've made some connections doing what we do so it's nice that we have a local community here that's building but, yeah exactly yeah. and that's one of the things i was going to say is that the entertainment industry is constantly expanding it's the third largest in the industry in the, the country if i if i'm not mistaken and it's the reason is, is because so many people are have so much creativity to them and that they can't help but eventually you have it shown and it's just it's wonderful to see their hard work and effort even you know from day job to pa to like <laughs> ad to producer or to anything or to director or, or even to just doing what we're doing which is streaming and podcasting you know yeah, like for right. in our spare time you know it's it's great it's great and i love uh, it's one of the things i actually i got so happy about uh the pumpkin pack productions on the twitch thing going that we uh i was just like I, I couldn't I became quite overwhelmed when I realized that we were booked out for a month with a whole bunch of independent filmmakers and they all actually thought it was cool. <laughs> like for another filmmaker to think anything I do is cool is really awesome to me, <laughs> much less these guys who like made really good films, even though they've all got day jobs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like when I when we've met uh over the time I've met other podcasters or when I run into somebody it's like, Oh, I listen to you, I'm like, Really? <laughs> Like I, I'm like, oh wow, okay, you you exist, awesome. I have a fan. It, yeah, I like I, I I I do it because I enjoy it, you know, and we yeah, all exactly. just do it because we enjoy it. And you never you see like I'll see stats come in from wherever showing hits and all this, but you don't think about it. But then when you meet the people who appreciate what you do, it, it feels good. It's nice, right. you know. It makes it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, it makes it worthwhile. Yeah, it, it gives validation. <laughs> validation is important, but. When it comes to your creative works, you should really just do it with the people you love for the reasons you love, you know, and it's very important that those things are struck. Otherwise, you're not going to be happy with your creative work, and when you're not happy with your creative work, you don't feel validated. I mean, I've gone through a few different co-hosts on numerous shows, so I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. Some of them are friends I've had for a long time. Artistic differences get get really annoying real quick. Yeah, you know, you have... there's there's one or two that are old friends of mine that I'm like yeah we can't record together because we're not gonna be <laughs> friends anymore. So <laughs> I've had to do that too, and it's yeah, it, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying you said you had to do it too. I mean, so you, I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to be right. like, listen, it's not working. Yeah. Know? So I I actually have to give another kudos shout out to Ryan for the fact that we've I didn't talk to him from high school until about. I'd say almost a year and a half ago, and he's been doing Mayday for six years, and last year he didn't even ask me to go. Like, he didn't invite me. He didn't do anything like that. He he mentioned that's what he was doing, and he just, that's it. You know, and then this year he asked me if I wanted to do it. And no one, I as far as connections go, it's really easy for people to, like, go, Connection, connections are essential. Networking is essential. Let's go out and just network the hell out of this. And those people suck. 
<laughs> yeah. No. And Ryan has has had me as a connection forever and he never he never once did he ask me to do stuff. He's been making films since high school and he came to like my little film club and stuff and he just started doing his own thing. You know, we talked about some production stuff and some t- some techniques and we just and he just ran off and did his own thing, and that was awesome. You know, I've seen some of his early work. It's 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 a little scary compared to his new stuff, but uh, it's seeing his first finished project outside of school is really impressive. You know, and he never once did he, did he come to me and just be like, dude, you know, what would be great is if we could do this, this, and this, and we could do it all out of your pocket, and we could totally do it for the sake of you know using your name. So was he uh, was he quite surprised yeah. when you actually said okay? I'll check it yeah, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, he was. He was like he he didn't. He was like holding off to announce it, and then like two weeks before, I was like, oh yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, I uh, I didn't want to do any any. I don't right now. I'm not really doing any money making ventures because. Um, uh, we got other things going on at the moment because I, I don't want the stress. You know, I've got the documentary, which is a, which is very very likely a money making venture, but at the same time, it's working on it is no, not. No pressure, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah so basically, I, I want to be as no pressure and no no thrills as possible. We don't take donations on the stream. We don't do anything like that. Um, we don't have enough. We we we're on our way to having enough followers to. Uh, to be Twitch official and stuff like that or do YouTube stuff and get views and we still don't do that just because the money when the money gets involved and you're working with friends it's a little tricky um, and I just don't want the pressure at the moment mm-hmm. so I'm writing a book and doing a documentary instead <laughs> yeah I started off uh, trying to do YouTube it was me and a buddy and a couple of buddies and did learn to do chroma keying, did some green screening, made it look like we were in a different location for stuff, all kinds of stuff. And nice. the, people, the people that saw it seemed to like it. It's just getting the the views. It's just hard to do. I mean, right. I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember market. just like you know what, I'm going to be a total a total dirtbag. I'm going to put like boobs, nude, and all that into the taglines, hoping to get, and it didn't work either. <laughs> then I'm like, you know what, maybe maybe I just have the face for podcasting, so I'll go there instead. <laughs> which which I actually enjoy a lot more. Uh, it it's. It's different, the process, because especially since we were doing Chroma King with a green screen and stuff, it's a lot less of certain aspects to do. You know, it's yeah. just editing the audio. And uh, the few people I have working with me on these, I've looked at the waveforms enough now that when they swear, depending on what podcast it is, some of them we try to keep that to a minimum, I, uh, I, I know which words are which waveform. <laughs> So I can just kind of glance and go, oh, that's got to go. What, what are you doing your beer podcast? That's just, that's the, just saying. The beer one has some uh, – there's been some cuts there too. Don't worry. Sometimes, sometimes there's a lot of editing. I don't know how you're going to edit that one. I, we still, I have to make sure that the stream has the 18 or older warning on it because we cuss like nothing else on it. We play Dark Souls. It's like the hardest game out at the moment. It's, it's, it sucks. Yeah, or so, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of that waveform going around on our on our stream. <laughs> so I mean, you're a pretty avid gamer. I mean, from what I've yeah. known of you, I mean, I've only been talking to you a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Right. Jim Jim's known you longer. Um, I mean, that goes that goes way back to your childhood, correct? I mean, you were saying you played yeah. Sonic when you were like two, two right? Yeah. I was yeah. like I was like ten when that came out. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Make me feel really old. And I never finished Sonic, and you were two when you did it. So, yeah. But uh, 
do you see any uh, parallels with the independent game market to, compared to the indie uh, films? I don't want to talk about the independent game market. What was it? <laughs> well, not, not to put a kibosh on your... No, no, that's fine. Question. If you don't want... No, that's fine. So much is like I'll get myself in trouble. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hear you. No, no problem. Right. <laughs> um, we, we actually talked about it a little bit on the stream, and I'll talk about it. I don't care. Um... We could edit that out. Don't but, worry. We're but, not. We're not. No, no, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's I, live I, on his stream it, anyway. Oh, it's live on stream. <laughs> no, it really doesn't bother me. I, I would rather be known for a good opinion than not known for not having one. Um, personally, I, I, I'm, I'm excited for, for the new consoles and stuff like that. And I, this whole roundabout to independent game market, um, because. Previously, it cost too much to distribute onto DVD or Blu-ray or whatever format it was for independent game makers to make money and find a distributor to get it onto a console, which means that, you know, my computer is like six, seven years old now, and it still beats the new consoles, and in technically, it tech-wise, it beats the new consoles, and it was outperforming the old consoles like crazy and we couldn't get good enough games on PC because right. the old consoles were so outdated because of things like the Wii and stuff like that. But one thing that we did get was a ton of really awesome indie games. Right. You know, Terraria is amazing, Minecraft's great, blah 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 blah. I love independent game market. In fact, I know, I know too little about it, to be quite honest. But still, things come along on PC like Diablo 3 or something that where they want to charge you, where their initial announcement for their in-game marketplace was to charge you for everything. Mm -hmm. And Paul just said, uh, PC Master Race in the chat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the politically correct Master Race. I, I, think, I think Paul's Norwegian, so he likes to make fun of, uh, from, uh, fun of America. <laughs> just a pun on his joke. Um, Anyways, I love the independent game market. I'm really excited for games like Witcher, which is in, in, in like yep. is independent, and it uh, it they one of the things I like about them is they're is good old games, and mm -hmm. I love Steam. Don't get me wrong, Steam's like my favorite thing on the planet. But uh, in a, good old games is great for yeah. the for the fact that they don't do DRM of any sort. You know, I have to be logged into Steam or offline mode or have logged in within a certain amount of time to play right. a Steam game. And uh, with good old games, they just they don't do anything with CD keys or anything like that. You download the actual game to your to your hard drive, and that's it. They don't do any updates or anything like that. Whatever the latest update from the actual company was you know, you get that update and you can mod it however you want or do whatever you want to it, it doesn't matter. And when they sold Witcher Two as an independent company, they, they got asked, you know, what do you think of you didn't put any DRM and you guys spent like tons and tons and tons of money on this game and tons of time making it so great and yet it get it got like within the first month I think they sold like two million copies and they knew they got pirated four million times. And they with with independent games, you know that's a major worry. And even if it's on Steam, you know people will crack it and put it somewhere else, and they'll find an original version or they'll, they'll order it, and it's a major worry. But one of the cool things about independent games is that and DRM free games is that you got people like them who are like, you know, we we may have been. Uh, 
pirated four million times, but I think we can look at it two ways. We, we six million people have played our game, which is great exposure, or half those people who pirated our games liked it and bought it. Yeah. You know, like, then that's great. Or, like, even a million of those people liked it and bought it, or 500,000. That's, that's just as good, you know, they, or told their friends who bought it. And either way, they're getting great exposure. And the independent game market is so tricky with DRM and stuff. It's not, it's, it's a little scary to get involved with and see things like LOL, you know, which have, um, great free-to-play strategies when it comes to just making it like the only thing you can pay for is aesthetic stuff and not have any game-changing paraphernalia and then you got stuff like man company and steam's in-game services which are crazy and you know they're good too but it's it's such a weird developing market and it's it's a little scary to think of it as being eventually, you know, they 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 like free to play, but they like you paying for the game and then charging you out the ass for other things in the game much more. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's a little scary to think of where they're gonna take that in the future. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been quite a backlash against that model to a point, but they're not gonna change it. I mean, they're gonna they're happy with it for now, and they're gonna continue to use it that way. Um, yeah. Makes me sad to call myself a gamer because we're gamers are very very, um, they don't stick to their principles, you know. <laughs> when uh, when Assassin's Creed Two came out, everyone was complaining about the always online DRM. Like you had to always be connected to the internet in order to play that game, and no one wanted to play it because of that. And then it became one of the best selling games on PC for generate for a while. You know, and I was just sitting there going, you know, like half the people who bought that bitched about it, and it's just what what's your problem? Why did you buy the game? And exactly. consumers in every other market are more likely to to complain and to and to not buy a product because it they don't it doesn't suit their principles or it doesn't suit something they like than the gaming industry. So you still have like crazy AAA titles being produced by companies that you don't really want producing games anymore and it's just because gamers are like well it's the newest best thing that I can possibly have at this time and I gotta play it yep. <laughs> like it just drives me nuts drives me absolutely crazy yeah I, I mean I, I noticed that last year when they announced that the Xbox One was gonna require Membership. checking in however often or whatever mm -hmm. and people were up up well what if we don't have the internet and I looked at when people would say that to me I'd look at them and go do you have the internet they say, "Well, yeah." I'm like, "So why are you worried?" I mean, well, I, actually, I, I mean, I know the there are places there, that don't have it, but still, I mean, the problem there is the military, um, and a lot of Xbox well, yeah, owners. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is and that's the one that made me upset. Was thinking of like guys who are serving the country who are like, "I yeah. don't have internet it's over like, here," yeah, so yeah. and I brought my Xbox. They were nice enough to let me do that. Yeah. So. Uh, can I please play this game now while I'm not getting shot at? Yeah. Like, uh, and relieve some stress and, sure. and stuff. I, like, I just, I, that really made me upset when I thought of them in particular. And that's the biggest mark. That's actually one of their bigger markets is, uh, for, for Microsoft and Xbox in particular, it's, it's military and they were totally jacking them that's and true. they didn't care. They just wanted to make sure that they could keep people connected to their, 
their their servers and make sure that they because when you have time spent on servers from your if you god knows they're monitoring it so if you've got time spent on servers and you log that stuff and you can tell your shareholders that people mm -hmm. are playing their systems even though they're not buying new ones yep. you know yeah and i mean i that was one of the few examples of things people didn't like but there were other things people didn't like and I said on another podcast that I believe before the thing even launches, Microsoft is going to change all that and go back to how they do things now. Yeah, and exactly. sure enough, and within like a month of E3, Microsoft did a 180, said, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that. You know, we, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> 360. And, you know, so this big company, of course, they were still thinking of their profits, but they also saw that their fans were upset and their fans are who give them the profits and said, okay, fine, we're going to do, we're going to not do it. And then those same people were like, oh, there they go, flip-flopping their, you know. You can't win. Yeah, you can't win. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, like I said, you know, the nice part about indie films and, say, Doug Sharp's comedies is he's not looking to be sensationalist. Yeah. You know, they're not looking to get the, the right tagline for their YouTube video that makes everybody stop on Google and watch it. Yeah, yep. You know, as much as we'd like, as much as I'd like that to happen for those guys, you know they're not doing it on they're doing it out of love not so much out of you know a lot of youtubers and stuff like that and a lot of people even on facebook just go for sensationalism and that's kind of what you're seeing there is that mm -hmm. they're like well what would be more sensational than uh what can we what, what what can we say about this sensational 180 that gets us hits and gets us views and you guys aren't forcing me into any questions and stuff that make me look bad in order to, to get views or hits or make me say something that would be sensational and i appreciate that and it you know it's a it's a professional courtesy as well as like a consumer market and a, a relationship thing that you have with the people that you're that you're working with indelibly because your console is an investment you know and is it is a business contract as far as i'm concerned that they continue to produce games for this console i.e sega dreamcast um <laughs> I have it sitting right over there with some blue LED lights over it. Oh, <laughs> like a shrine. I will, yeah. I will send you a photo of my Demon. game system area. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, you, you know, you, it's a business contract, and no matter how how you look at it, and you've got to treat you've got to treat that with respect, and they most people don't realize that and don't do it. No, I'm, I, I just have, like, not so much a Star Wars-related thing, okay. but... That's me. So that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> but I was going to ask you, you know, being that you, you were in Episode 1, a uh, lot of relative newcomers in that movie, as, is, as there was in Episode uh, 4. Yeah, 4, okay. Oh, boy. I, I know it's called <laughs> The New Hope, all right? I just, I just mi I mix the numbering up, <laughs> because they did it backwards. Um and the the new one, episode seven coming out, there's a lot of relative newcomers also. You know, do you, is, do you think that's um, what would know. be like your advice to yeah, them as far were, as because yeah. they're like in your shoes, you know, you just, you you obviously know know the movie. They know the movie, obviously. They they I'm sure they've seen it hundreds of times. So it, it's got to affect like how their character, whatever their characters is, how they're going to play their characters. How, what would your advice be for this, for them? Like you know, just go with the flow, enjoy the ride, you know, kind of a thing. For the actors specifically? Yes. I don't know about enjoy the ride. I ran away from the ride, yeah. so. 
Um, <laughs> I, I was like, God, stop! Get get me off this thing, and just ran off to Indiana. Well, um, this is before the this is before the sixty interviews, of course. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, I I'd say that um, you know you, uh, they were all picked for 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 many many reasons, and I'm sure a lot of well, one of them was professionalism and their love for the film series and you know and their abilities and that they shouldn't doubt their abilities they should stay professional and they should continue to love the film series regardless of what people have to say about the film after it comes out and they shouldn't listen to critics you know regardless jj abrams makes good movies and if they even i think hayden did a good job and he gets lampooned all the time i think that's ridiculous and it's it's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. The point is, is to enjoy your time doing it and to enjoy, to be able to find something you enjoy doing after in, in any aspect of film. And it goes for everybody is to enjoy what you're doing and enjoy doing something after it because <laughs> it all does it, – it, it just – it's just a matter of making sure you uh, enjoy the process and enjoy your uh, role in it. Right. All right. Yeah, very good. Very good. Very good uh... – Advice. Now, there was rumors that Ray Park was asked to do Episode 7, probably the stunts for the film. If J.J. came to you and asked, you know, if you want to be a part of the film, just something even small like, you know, a cantina pa- patron, would you consider well, it? As a Star Wars fan, I'd have to say no. Okay. <laughs> um, because it would be a huge continuity problem. I died. <laughs> well, yeah, well <laughs> like it, I, would be, I, it would be very wrong. <laughs> you mean just to see, just to see you there, even though you're a different. Well, you'd be like a different, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it, without it, going right. too in deep, obviously, yeah, you'll have the, the the hardcore fan saying that. But I mean, as far as yeah, how I'm you a, how I, you are I'm now, it's not how you were when you, you know. <laughs> yeah, you look a little different. Yeah, <laughs> I look a wee bit different, a wee bit. Um, but that that doesn't matter to me. Like what matters is that they're getting fresh new material out there. They're getting a new creative look on on a great series, and they're looking at making something new with it and i wouldn't know what i'd bring bring to it in that fashion and if i couldn't bring anything creative and original to it i wouldn't want to do it well i was just saying like in general not even a speaking role just like just sitting in the background just just oh, for no, I, I still wouldn't want to do that almost, I, I'm almost like a fanboys type done. movie you know what i'm saying just just, yeah, just as yeah, long no. just just popping <laughs> just your head popping not in a there. fanboys type movie thank you <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, no, that's what I, I was getting I, across. Like, like, look over a corner or something. <laughs> right. And like... something, you know, something, something simple. He's just, walking, like, he's just he, walking by he, carrying a pod racing newspaper or something. Right. You know? Or maybe it's just my silhouette with a bunch of chairs at the bottom of the movie. Um, <laughs> 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 laughing and looking like a robot. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, would, I, I, still, I don't know if I'd, I'd do that. It would be a huge honor, but at the same time, like, I... I'm I'm already not looking forward to the idea of when that movie comes out and if I have to do press for it, right? This is nice and laid back, and you're not. You guys, you guys don't have to worry about too much. I don't have to worry about too much, and we're just shooting the shit. So it's right. much more mm-hmm. fun than doing a, a like, than having any of that. The threat of having that done, you know. It's one of the reasons why I'm so stuck on editing is because editors don't get noticed very often, anyways. And I can do what I want, have a really huge role creatively, and make some really good stuff. And I don't have to worry about it. 
you set your own schedules to instead of being on a media schedule time frame. That's what you're yeah, saying. exactly. So you know, and it would be a huge honor again to to ever ever set foot on a Star on a Star Wars set again, and it would be amazing. And I'm sure his sets are just incredible. And I would love to meet everybody who's working on it and see some old faces from, and definitely the new ones. And I it would be amazing. But at the same time, I I just don't feel I have a, I have a place there, and I'm happy to have had the role. I had so I don't want to piss anyone off yeah you know it's I when we interview people on the podcast I do I try to just keep it casual like this I think I think the typical person that's an actor or actress or musician or whatever I, I think they're they're just regular people to me I mean right. you did a, some you did something that to me and Jim was really cool that we would probably never have that opportunity to do but you're a regular person and I know that actors have to go through interview after interview with the same question. Exactly. You know, and the first time I interviewed any celebrity was, sorry to say this, wasn't Star Wars, it was Doctor Who. And it, nice. was, it was last year, and I interviewed the fifth Doctor, Peter Davison. Ooh. And he, he came <laughs> over to the table, and I heard him interviewed by a few different people. It was a big room here in Chicago. They have a big convention. Ah, uh, Round Robin, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But he came over to us and he had a bagel. He's like, "Oh, you know, I hope you don't mind if I eat 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 this while I'm, you know, we're doing the show." I'm like, "No, it's fine. I go, you want some time? I'll let you finish." You know, but we just sat back and talked, and I asked him, you know, a few questions, obviously related to him and the the show and the, the anniversary of it. But I wanted to keep it casual and find out about him, not only what his care, what he did on that show, you know. Yeah. And. I don't and that shows a lot of respect for the the industry and for other people. Period, as to treat them like people. Right. Amazing that happening in the, with these things. Um, you don't actually find that often, even amongst people, like just your average person who's doing something different than the, than what we're doing now. Um, you don't you don't find that often, anyways. It's scary. It's actually really scary. I will say in the back of my head while I was interviewing him, I was just looking at him going, I've seen you on TV. (laughs) But, you know, still, there's going to be a little bit of excitement. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't see any reason to – I just don't like how those conferences, the press conferences and stuff seem to go. They rush in you. Yeah, yeah. they rush the people in and they hammer them with questions. It's – I don't – I don't like doing that, and that's probably why I do this. And I would probably, I'll probably never be a worldwide right. sensation at it, but I don't want to be. Right. And at these conventions, people don't realize that they do all these. Yeah. These guys are on these tight schedules, and then at a con, then they they go back to their booth, and then the normal fans are starstruck. They get to meet their you know favorite character, yeah. and then they don't realize, oh wow, why is he being such a douchebag? You know, it's like well, these people are hammered too. by this guy. Right. Yeah. They don't realize what these guys went through before he got back to his you yeah. know to his well, table or station. Or what I mean by people being people is no one bothers to ask. They just walk away thinking this guy's a douchebag. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, they don't go, hey, what what's up? What's what's the deal? You know, and treat them like someone they they would treat at home right. or someone someone close to them. And one of the things I one of the things I've been doing since I probably since I started um, well recently, not too recently, but for like the last year or so, is I've uh, totally opened up. Actually, about four years ago, I did this. I opened up my Steam account to fans and stuff, and I've been gaming with fans since for like four or five years. And I've got some of my better friends now because I've done it. And I met you on Steam. 
through PS3 back when you used to play it. But I haven't seen you on yeah. it in years. I I refuse to play PS3 at the <laughs> right. moment because I I uh, I don't have a good enough headset and it's really annoying. And I used to only play it for Call of Duty when I right. like when the first Modern yes. Warfare came out. I I was in the top 500 in the world and I used to do tourneys wow. and stuff for mm-hmm. it while I was in college. And uh, and a little bit after I did so did one for. Uh, Oh, Ghost Re- not Ghost Recon. I love that game though. Um, anyways, I it's it's one of the best ways to communicate with me. Unfortunately, I can't add any more people because Steam's doing the trading card thing, and you can't level up without doing trading cards. And I can't, you can't get any more like slots for people unless you level up. So I've I've still got to call Valve and be like, hey guys, can can we talk? <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, and uh, it, anyways, I do that on Facebook as well. Anyone's I friend everybody who friends me, um, and uh, I'll talk to them if they send me a message. If they don't, then I'll just like like stuff as it pops up in my news feed. And sometimes I freak out, and it's really funny. You know, it's very cool. <laughs> like, I never expected that, them yeah. to do that. I just expect them to friend me. I'm like, well, I you know, it's it's cool no worries <laughs> yeah, it's very cool that you're down to earth like that that you actually will talk to mm-hmm. the you know the peasants or the common people <laughs> the common folk you know well, like uh yeah, like me and john I, here <laughs> it, it's as a matter of fact when it comes to peasants and common folk <laughs> you know my grandparents and my mom's parents and when i was born were they they've owned this linen company that barely makes them enough to do the, to live at their house and my mom worked at NCR and stuff and uh, when I was first first born and she used to go and work the acid bench and stuff and we lived in a converted crack house when I was like two and beat Sonic before you did <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it actually got a kitchen and bathroom added onto it after like sometime close to when we moved in um I I did not I I don't come from a from a, from an acting family like a lot of people do or even come from connections and stuff. I got found in the star search and I think anyone can do anything. So I I think talent you know or innate abilities are great and I think everybody's got their problems and I've talked to more than my fair share of people about their problems <laughs> and I I've I've also had people listen to me about mine and it's it's just. Like I, it gets it gets back to that normal concept. If you want to call, if you want to get get back to it, it's just like everybody's normal, no matter how messed up they are. Exactly right. Yeah, hundred percent agree. So I just looked, and it's been about an hour and twenty minutes. So I guess um, we'll probably wrap up. Our show usually goes about an hour and a half. Yeah. So, uh, cool. is there anything else you'd like to talk? Uh, Tell anybody, tell your fans about, tell you know anything well, else you're working on. I mean, yeah, you, for the for the people watching, I'd I'd highly encourage to come check out these movies on our Twitch channel when we premiere them on the weekends. Okay. Um, it's a Twitch.tv slash Pumpkin Pact Productions. I signed up today. Yeah, yeah like where where we're streaming to now. Cool. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's on my Facebook. We've got a page for it, and actually the production company itself. So we do post a lot of film-related stuff when we when it comes our way, and 
we try to keep involved in independent filmmaking. So if that's your interest or at all, then hit me up. If you've got independent projects going on, just hit me up. I'd love to talk to you about them. Um, I'm not so into things with budgets at the moment, but other than that, you know, I, I'll, I'll still talk to people. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I, I'm liking this no budget, awesome movie anyways thing that happened at Mayday. Like it, it just, it makes, makes my heart sing. It's it's awesome. So we we have a lot of fun gaming. We've got a full schedule during the week. We have gamers. We will have gamers on twenty four seven. It's a whole bunch of my friends from Steam and stuff. So you know, if you want to play some games for for us, then hit me up. Um, awesome. Very cool. Uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely a pleasure having you on having you on the show yeah. here. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, we appreciate right. it. Right. And uh, thanks for joining us, Jake. Mm -hmm. No problem, and, uh, man. Thanks for letting me do the plug at the end. That was very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see you on Steam or see you at, Pump or at Twitch TV. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I stumble yeah. over stuff a lot on this show. Uh, <laughs> okay. I so, do, too. So thank, thanks again, man. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Right.